Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? You know what? I am so super excited, Daryl. I'm actually going on an airplane really soon. <laughs> it's like, I am, you don't know how excited. Everyone now, everyone listening, you're probably going to think I'm absolute nuts, but I'm actually looking forward to walking to an airport and getting on an airplane. I'm so proud of you. And I hope they provide instructions at the hotel lobby and how to check in because it's probably been so long. That it's <laughs> just forgot, amazing. Man. I've actually forgot what it means to check into a hotel. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is definitely an interesting and, and crazy time, but hats off to you. I'm, I'm so excited about, uh, about the uh, organization you're visiting and, and what a benefit it's going to be to them. And you know what? Hats off getting on an airplane. And I sure look forward to the time when we can all hang out again and, uh, and all of that. But in the meantime, <laughs> hey, hey, you know what, really quick, I'm going to have to actually pay attention to the flight attendant for once. Right. right? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do the seatbelt again? <laughs> yeah. So <we> can... <laughs> I'm glad we could laugh about it. It's going to be another Tommy boy part two episode. <laughs> I can't wait. Hey, by the way, if you're new to the selling from the heart podcast, welcome. You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it selling from the heart. And Larry, uh, I will say that since uh, a couple of weeks ago when we put out that live cast about is your sales training broken? Um, and now the special report that's out on sales training is broken and how to fix it. That has, <laughs> the discussions that have come out of that have been fantastic. And I just want to say it a huge hats off to everybody right now, because as we head into 2021, which, you know, for many reps and many companies is truly a make or break year. Uh, the way people are rallying right now and getting uh, strategic and creative in terms of sales development, I'm just, I'm inspired and excited about all of it. No, it, it, same here. And, and it just goes back to it's, it's this. And, and again, you know, the whole concept around this is to get people to think, and it's not to disrespect sales leaders and the trainers that are out there. There's, there's a ton of great ones out there. It's getting them to think, Daryl, you know, what did we learn through 2020? Mm -hmm. What did 2020 expose as we roll into 2021? What can we do to enhance and future-proof our sales team? And I think this is going to just tie right into a very lively discussion we're going to have today on the podcast. Yeah, no question. If you'd like, if you haven't seen the uh, recording of the live cast or you'd like to get your hands on our brand new special report, Sales Training is Broken and How to Fix It, just text the word HEART to 21000. That's HEART to 21000. And we'll put those resources along with a bunch of other ones in your hands so we can all make sure as we're going into 2021 that uh, it is a highly effective and successful year. You're absolutely right, Larry. Today's guest is going to unpack this, uh, just judging from our pre-show conversation. Uh, just uh, like you just said on the airplane, buckle your seatbelts and get ready to take off because uh, we're about to, to have a very powerful and I believe practical discussion. 
No, this is going to be exciting. So before I welcome Mike Armstrong on, I have to give a quick backstory. And for, you know, the listeners out there, you've heard me say this before, when you engage on social and you truly engage in, and you open up and invite conversation, you meet some of the coolest people. And that's quite frankly, how Mike and I met was just through his engagement. When I say engagement, you're going to understand why here in a second, because what I really appreciate about Mike, Mike speaks his mind on a very professional level, which I sincerely appreciate. And that's how we got to know each other. And with our special report that just came out in our live cast, I called Mike and I said, you know what? You need to come on the Selling from the Heart podcast. We need to unpack some things. So without further ado, Mike Armstrong, welcome, welcome to Selling from the Heart. Thanks, guys. Mike, it's great to have you here, and this is going to be a uh, phenomenal discussion. But you know the question that every guest on the Selling from the Heart podcast gets, and that is this. What does it mean to you to sell from the heart? I think it's from a perspective of a self-awareness. We talk about this with emotional intelligence a lot, is I want to be authentic. One of my favorite quotes is, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. And what I see is a lot of companies trying to cookie cutter approach to training. And I've been through, I think, seven or maybe even eight sales training programs in my career. And while I picked up some various things from each one of them, what I realized was, is if I'm real with my customers, and I'm not talking about what we call the dark side of emotional intelligence, where you're faking it to make it. What I'm talking about is if I just show up and be me, (laughs) and I really sit down and ask myself, What's it like to listen to me today? One of the things I tell my classes a lot is before you walk into a customer's space, they're giving you space, okay? Ask yourself the question in the car, on the elevator, what is it like to listen to me today? Because in reality, if you've been sold to or communicated with, you know what works for you. And if you take time to research me, and what I'm about, because everyone makes choices for different reasons, some for financial reasons, some for social, some for team benefits, some for patients, whatever space you're in, you need to put away the one size fits all. These are my three questions. This is my strategy. You have to have a plan, but in reality, you also have to make it sound like you. (laughs) And if your customer has experience with you over years, and you go to a sales training course and you come back speaking say Chinese, when your previous language was Japanese, something in their gut is going to stir and they're going to go, who is this guy? And in reality, there's nothing wrong with going to courses and development, but understand that customers are looking for authenticity. They're looking for what is this person really going to do to help me when I've got 30 other people selling the same kinds of stuff every week. And reality is they're choosing you because you're bringing something to them is which is you have slowed down long enough and done your preparation and planning to know that how I communicate with Daryl or Larry may not necessarily be the same way. You know, Larry may want a very strong relationship. He might want to get to know you. He may want to get to understand what makes you tick where Daryl may want a transactional sale. Just the facts, man. We call that the Joe Friday approach, right? So to me, it's really having, and that's what I think empathy is. It's a really misunderstood term. But if you really sit back and ask yourself, what does my customer see me as? 
and what does this person really need from our company, you can slow your process down, put your brochures away, put your iPad away, and stop doing your feature benefit dump. So that's what it means to me. You know, this is music to my ears, Daryl, because, you know, in, in listening to what Mike just said, and it's, it's the, it's the single biggest belief on why the inner work and, and, and what we're getting ready to roll out, Daryl, is so important because Mike, you alluded to, you know, just be yourself and all that. But in order to be yourself, you got to know yourself and you got to unpack yourself and you got to be strong and you got to do all this inner work, right, Daryl? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you look, I was just uh, chatting earlier this morning with uh, Douglas Burdett runs the marketing book podcast. And we were talking about the the reality right now that we live in a post trust world that, you know, probably, I think I'm curious what you think, Michael, but I think the biggest um, hurdle that we have to, to get over as sales professionals right now is nobody trusts anybody. And, you know, those skills of empathy, emotional intelligence, you know, it seems like those are, are things that are, are coached over time and maybe not necessarily something you could just get zapped on in a classroom and, and have active in your, in your, in your sales life. That's a good question because, or a good comment, because we all are sold to as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an experience of buying a brand new SUV recently and I didn't necessarily buy the vehicle I thought I was going to buy, but when that salesperson took an opportunity to let me have a, a, a really relaxed, informative, hands-off experience, what I noticed was he was making the sale about me. And, not, and I knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. but I also felt respected. And let me give you an example. I don't know I don't, whether you sell hardware, software, pharmaceuticals, medical device, whatever you sell, you have to understand that your customer is seeing dozens of people a month who have some pretty good solutions. I mean, I believe that great salespeople can sell competitive products. I really do. And you have to ask yourself, if you are being like all of those other reps that show up, do some feature dumping, show a couple things on their iPad, whatever that is, and they start asking questions, but they're not listening to the answers, and they're just going through their pitch, you're going to sound like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And when you really start thinking about it, if you're not a customer advocate for helping them either get what they want, and here's a big one. You talked about trust. How many people have been burned by a vendor, by a company, and it's really soldered into their emotional brain? So mm-hmm. they see if you've ever heard, all you salespeople are alike. And the reason why is, sadly, many of them are alike. They're not authentic. So how do you be yourself? They're going to look at you like, who is this person? If you show up as the same person all the time and you're not playing some manipulation game, guess what? You're going to get into that inner circle a little quickly. So the next time you stop by that office and say you don't have an appointment, your emotional brain with that person is this person has shown in the past that they have brought some significant value to me. I'm going to let them in, even though I may have, you know, 20 patients waiting for me in the lobby, or I may be two hours behind on what I need to do because whenever Daryl, Larry, Mike stops by, it's always about me mm-hmm. first, not about their products. Your products should come out at the end of your conversation. Okay. They shouldn't lead. So good. So yes, good. spot on. 
You know, it's it's interesting. I I think I said earlier that as we look into, uh, we're now in Q4 of 2020, which has been a very revealing year in a lot of ways in terms of what what is needed and what's working in sales development. But as as we look into 2021 together, um, which I truly do believe for many reps and organizations is a make or break year. In other words, we can't play around at sales development this year. We've got to get it right. We've got to you know be on our A game. Where do you think that most organizations are missing the boat when it comes to developing high-performing sales professionals? And, and this can be in, applied at the individual level as well, because I know we have both sales leaders and, and sales professionals listening in. What do we need to be thinking together about 2021 in terms of what needs to change to make sure we're maximizing our performance in this critical year? That's a good question, Daryl. I spent a lot of time looking at what hasn't worked in my life Mm -hmm. because I believe that that's where the learning comes from is having the ability to look in the mirror and say, I'm not getting it done today. And um, a lot of people don't have that. They like to blame the customer. I hear it all. They blame marketing. Pricing's too high. And the reality is we have to look in the mirror and say, what is not working? Mm -hmm. And as a trainer, And as a coach, what I can tell you is I don't think my peers are willing to look in the mirror and say, how do we know what we're doing is working? ROI is very tough to measure in development. We know that. But is your level of engagement with your people based on corporate pressure alone or check the box kind of analysis, it flies in the face, or check the box, evaluate, it flies in the face of human performance and development, which is, we don't like change. So Mm -hmm. if you keep throwing a new program at me every six months to a year, you're really, you know, it's the definition of insanity, right? We know what that is, is if I try one more program, it might just work. Well, we've been doing that for 25 years. Yeah, exactly. And there's no consistency. There's no fluidity. There's no why don't we teach the basics of whatever we're trying to teach and then come back a second, third, fourth time, reinforce those basics, make it part of your commonality of language in your company, which is change management 101. Because if you're teaching one language one day and another language another day and your marketing team is learning different from your sales team and your product performance and development team, you have no ability to communicate in a way where everyone's synergized. I really believe that. And I think the same thing applies with training and development is, gee, if we buy this program, maybe this one will work. And then a year later, when you know it's not working, everyone lives in denial. And I think that's what we need to do is with with all the resources being restricted today, let's really slow it down and let's take a look at what we're hoping to accomplish and more importantly, how do we know something's working before we sign on to that big contract that says we're going to train all these people and not have any idea if it is working? But, Mike, you just keyed in on something because, I, by the way, you said a lot of great things, but you, the, the one that I keyed in on the most was to slow it down. And and let's just think about this because, you know, I, I'm a big believer time and patience plays out in the long run. But to slow it down, how many people are willing to slow it down to actually get it right? And that's that's the big question. 
I don't know because, you know, a lot of them are going to invest sizable amounts of money and they're going to want a quick return on that sizable chunk of money, but yet no measurable things along the way. I think it's a good point. And I realize sports and military analogies are used a lot with quotes and I think they're overdone, but in reality, we've got all kinds of people in the room. We've got football fans, baseball fans, basketball, tennis, whatever go, you know, and you look at a great athlete. I don't care if it's Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers. I'm throwing that out there for you, Larry. Yeah, Mike, where it's the jinx. Come on. Are <laughs> you throw? Are you throw out a Tom Brady in football? All the people we think as masters. What, it, what we do in sports is we know they're just going to get a little bit better every year. Why in sales do we think we can throw a two day program at somebody <laughs> and make them a superstar? It makes no sense. I don't you care know, what your profession is. If you're a junior electrician learning to be a master electrician, how long does that take? It takes a long time. That's right. You know, and and I, it's a daily thing too. And that's, you know, this is where I think that we're, we're missing the boat. I mean, it, it, you know, there are so many, like you said, so many different sales training models and they're all great. You know, you can spin Sandler, Challenger, just Millerheim, go down the list of all the great sales training models but where we miss the boat, it's, it's, it's like that football team to use, continue this sports analogy that says, okay, here's our playbook. They roll it out at the beginning of the season and they go, go get them. <laughs> you know, that there's no coaching. There's no one watching the tape. There's nobody working with the players. We would think that would be insane. We would think, you know, you'd get results like the Dallas Cowboys are getting right now. Uh, it'd be terrible. And, and, and yet in sales, we do that all the time, you know, go, here's the new program. Here's the new playbook. Two days, three days in a classroom, which, you know, let's take the people with the lowest attention span in the entire human race and put them in a classroom for two days and then expect that that's going to drive real significant change. You know, it just, it's so interesting to me that it seems like we keep doing the same things over and over again when it comes to sales development. And um, it's like that, you know, it's, it's like if we could just get a clue from the sports world where you go, you have someone who knows what they're doing that watches you and says, why don't you try this? <laughs> you know, let's do in bite-sized chunks and let's get the swing better. Let's get the, let's run these plays. Let's, you know, and, and that's where you get results. Yeah. I, I liked your analogy of the playbook. Let me get, let me break it down even further because it, it led to a thought. If you played football in your career and a lot of people have, whether it's high school, college, whatever, is the head coach has the playbook, right? But right. who is teaching the plays every day? your defensive line coach, their secondary coach. Mm -hmm. And the analogy I would draw is in in sales training, we send people to a training. They get back on their airplane and they go out. And who is reinforcing and coaching that every day? That person's expected to do it on their own? No. So if they work with their regional manager or whoever that person is, that's the person that should be teaching the day-to-day play, right? Or playing of that. So I guess what other thing I need to to ask for the group, and if you're listening to this and thank you for doing that is, are you sure your field managers are bought into what you're doing? Because when they leave that two to three day program, they're going to forget 90% of what they heard within two weeks. We know that. So who is, if they bought in or have they been told to buy in? Big difference. So why don't you get your field level managers engaged with whether it's a pilot program, 
deep dive needs assessment interviews, whatever, because they're the ones that are going to make or break you because they will be the coaches every day when you're sitting back in your proverbial ivory tower. They really are. And I realize that's a different model for different industries. I get it. But put someone in a training program and send them back out on their own without any reinforcement and coaching is you are wasting your money, in my opinion. It's it's a massive it's a massive financial recipe for disaster, my opinion. Yep. But yet it happens. It happens year over year and decade over decade. We've seen it happen, right? I was in the sales world in the same sales channel almost thirty years, and same thing would happen. And that's why I mean I still remember it as plain as day. Brought the same person in six times to do the sick same training over like a six, seven year period, that's insanity, but yet it happens all the time. And, and that's why I'm a big believer. And, and Daryl knows this. We've seen it time and time again, is I believe, I sincerely believe in my heart, the way sales professionals digest information because we're so, I call it ADD without diagnosing it as ADD, but you get what I'm saying is we have short attention spans, but if you can deliver bite-sized chunks of coaching, consistently over time, I have seen the sales needle move, Mm -hmm. but that's just, that's just saying training works, but reinforcing it with bite-sized chunks of coaching is going to move the needle. And that gets to your point, Mike, slow it down to actually move the needle in the direction you want it to go. Yeah, I think that's fast. a great point, Larry, because we live in this transactional, and, and let's face it, it's a quarter-to-quarter existence for a lot of reps. Yeah. So when you have that big chunk of change that you put out there for training, you're expecting, ironically, a quarter-like performance improvement. It doesn't work that way. But if you slow it down and you create this commonality of what we're trying to accomplish with the people that are intent, that are really uh, responsible for the numbers – there's probably going to be a little buy-in because you respected them to know that their feedback, especially early on in what you're doing and your ability to recalibrate and change if needed is respected. But if you try to drive something down people's throats simply because you spent a lot of money on it, they're going to give you the passive aggressive golf clap. Get it back on that airplane and tell you everything you want to hear on your evaluation form. But if they're not bought in as the coaches, guess what? They're not going to coach your content period. Yeah. I've seen it over and over. So true. And, um, you know, I just, I was thinking about, uh, an opportunity to develop a sales training program for a large, it was a fortune 500 company. And it was, you know, everyone was bought into building the program. Everyone was bought into live training for the sales reps. But when it came to that, the add on piece of, okay, we, we need a, a plan to coach people and actually operationalize this in the field on the way back. It's like, ah, we'll get around to that. Well, no one ever got around to it, right? And so as a result, same thing, right? People went to a classroom, got a binder, learned a couple things, but the the true effectiveness of it never made it to the field. And, And this is where, here's where I'm curious what you think about this. I see a big shift happening right now, obviously with the the pandemic and the um, you know, the inability to get together for live events is I see a lot of companies right now betting the farm on, okay, well, let's just take the live training and let's flip it to video and let's sit our salespeople in front of hours and hours worth of training video. Um, you know, once again, just like if you, saying you could take that football team and go, okay, you guys sit down and watch some videos about how to play football and then 
you know, let's go win, right? Without, once again, it's, it's that mindset of just going to dump, if we can just pour this information into the brains of our salespeople, then somehow it, it, we're going to win. And I just think, you know, the mindset, even though the methodology is shifting, the mindset still the same as it was in 1980. <laughs> it, it's uh, so I'll, I'll share a quick thing. And then Mike, I'd love your feedback on this. Uh, Daryl, I re- it's, it's so interesting. You say that because I just had a conversation with a cheese, chief cheese, Chief sales officer wasn't that one. <laughs> sales officer. Oh, we no, had no someone cheese sales officer. That was great. Bada boom, right? But a chief sales officer and what what played he just out. offended our entire Wisconsin <laughs> audience, including yeah, our guests. Sorry about that because Mike's actually from. I need a laugh on a Monday. <laughs> that was so hilarious. But no, I so I had this conversation with the sales officer last week. To your point, Daryl. They said, you know, they're, they know the statistics right now on the 250 salespeople on how many videos they watch, their checkoff points, the fast forward and all that, which just proves what you just said. And you've probably seen this, right, Mike? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to create a, 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 a webcast. It's called the number of the hundred and some odd ways reps know how to game the system, right? Right. Um, <laughs> You know, from texting each other during tests to, you know, all the things that I've seen over the years. But I think that's a great point because we all know, and granted, there's some people a little bit more analytical than others, that reps metaphorically have ADD. So if you're going to put them in front of a computer all day when they can't sit still long enough to do an expense report, good luck with that. So it gets back to, I am a big fan of, how do we know what we're doing is working? And I think rather than throw out a bunch of videos from, and I, I, I hate, I use the word compliance loosely, okay? Just so people in the home office can feel good about what they're doing. I, I, that's a, been another big trap that I see because there's been no efforts to measure its effectiveness. And here's the big one. If that video is done, if those videos are done in a way where there's engagement involved, where there's empathy for the reps that are having to sit there and do those, they're going to buy in, but you can't just throw out all these training videos and not know if what you're doing is having any impact at all. That's just check the box. So again, I think it's getting buy-in from your senior reps, getting buy-in from some of the rookies and consistently asking is what we're doing, given the limitations of what's going on with COVID and travel and all that, what kind of value are you seeing in these videos? Don't make assumptions. Ask the managers, are you seeing any behavior change in your people whatsoever? And if you are, tell us a little bit about them so we can basically start to emphasize. I don't want to do the success stories we heard so much about where, hey, listen to this voicemail back in the days with all the success stories or let's promote somebody on our company website. But if you can increase some internal chatter in your organization, Mm -hmm. people are starting to share some success that they're having watching these videos that sells itself. Yeah, that's so good. This is um, this has been such a critical and valuable conversation. I really appreciate you sharing time with us because as we said earlier, right now is in many ways a make or break year and we've got to get it right in terms of making sure our sales people are, or if you're a salesperson yourself, making sure that you are set up 
to be as you know optimal optimize for success as you possibly can in this new year. And as we wrap up, any final words of wisdom when you think about uh, what's critical for sales development in the year to come? I will say this. Learn from your past mistakes. Own that what you're doing may not have worked. Stop worrying about, you know, what everyone else is thinking of you, the, maybe the pressure you're getting to perform whatever from a training and development. But sit back and honestly ask yourself the following question. Is what we're doing working? Or are we repeating the mistakes of the past? You know, hope is not a strategy. We always know that. And number two is slow it down. And Larry and I talked about that and really start to pick the brains of your people in the field, your managers in the field and say, Hey, is what, and don't make it a situation where people are worried about saying something that's going to come back to haunt them. Develop the trust with your people in the field. So they will give you honest feedback because if you're not having honest conversations with people, guess what? They're not having honest conversations with their customers either. Because what you're doing is modeling something that you yourself are doing. And that's not healthy for anybody. So spot on. Yeah. What a great conversation, Mike. Thank you so much. I enjoyed for, it, guys. Yeah. Just we did as well. And and I, it was power packed, I think, with wisdom that we need going forward. And uh, to everyone in the Selling from the Heart podcast world, our community, just, hey, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and as we get to chat with many of you throughout the week, one thing I do know is, is this is a group of sales professionals that is committed to getting it right, committed to excellence, committed to continually growing to make sure that we can be the best that we can be so that we can bring the best of ourselves to our clients and, and all of it. And I know um, really when you look at the economic recovery right now, it's a lot of it's dependent on us. No pressure, but this is a time to drive and thrive. And, and the folks in the Selling from the Heart community, we see you doing it. We want to cheer you on. And until next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, get creative and smart about developing your sales teams. And most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.